Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring you my guest, Rhea Simon. She's the community ambassador at Hi Mama. And prior to starting at Hi Mama, she's a registered early childhood educator, and she's worked six years in the classroom. She's taught all ages, but mainly preschoolers. She lives in Toronto with her husband. In her spare time, she enjoys time with her niece and nephew and being out on the water, which is where I am today. We are recording this podcast from my cottage. So I am hoping that the power doesn't go out, that a boat doesn't go by, um, We, but we will just roll with it because that's life. <laughs> that's reality. Thanks for being <laughs> on with me, Rhea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. And yeah, let's hope that every keep our fingers crossed as we go through recording. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So I was really excited uh, to have this conversation with you because I think that we saw during the pandemic, there was so many parents that had uh, on top of mind their kids, their schooling, their childcare, it really became a, um, a a big topic of conversation. And one of the things that you had said to, to me is that you 
uh, really wanted to speak to parents about the importance of effective and good quality communication between teachers and parents. And um, so I'm interested in hearing how that came up for you and, and, you know, why you see it as being so critical. Oh, it's it's such a huge piece. And I'm, I'm so excited to dive into this. So it when it all comes down to it, we all know as uh, taking a step from the ed- educator's point of view and talking in their perspective to start that, you know, when you have a new child who comes into your class or a child that you've had throughout, you know, the, even the last couple of years, and you tend to get them, obviously, as they grow through a center, um, it's super important that you have an open line of communication with parents, whoever they may be, um, guardians, whoever takes care of that child. And it's super important because, like, as an educator, you want to especially relay that important information. And of course, let's use babies, for example, when they're in that infancy stage, you of course are communicating, of course, though along the lines of um, it being like feeding, of it being, you know, diapering, what they did that day, you know, mood, those sorts of things. But then of course, as they move up, it starts to turn into, you know, how was their behavior that day? Like what's been actually going on at home? You want to have that communication piece going on with parents because it actually helps you throughout the day. And then it also helps parents at home if they've had a rough day at the childcare, then maybe they're going to have a rough night at home, or maybe there's something parents can do to help turn it around because it has been not such a rough day. So it's a pretty key piece and research too has shown too further on that it's super relevant to have such a bond with your educator and a bond with parents because it actually sets the child up for better success when it comes to further education. So, you know, into elementary school and up through into high school, because they're actually better equipped to support the child as they do go through academic success and developmental success. So it's a huge factor in this. When it comes to bringing COVID into it, as you know, parents haven't been allowed to go in the centers, you know, and depending on where you are, if you're here in Canada, if you're down in the States, it's a variety of things have been happening, but they haven't had that chance to create that community for folks who maybe have been starting brand new at center. You know, their, their one-year-old is finally just getting into the thick of things and your parents can't go in and they can't be involved in what's that important phase. Yeah. And Wait. so as an educator, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just, you know, I, I really, um, I really appreciate and and echo you know, the importance that you just mm-hmm. talked about there, and I'm thinking about um, you know that notion of it takes a village, and kids really need to yeah. see they the kids need to see their parents talking to their teacher just so that they sort of feel that sense of a village. And I remember my daughter when I would pick her up at yeah. school, uh, and this is going back years. You know, she's in her twenties now, but <laughs> you know when she was in kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three. You know, and they just and they love their teachers and they want their parents to, st- they want to show you their classroom. And they yeah. want me to show her classroom so much that I would say like, I can't come in and hang out with your teacher every day after school. Like he has a life too, you know? Um, so, so we would have to like make scheduled times to stay longer, which was fine. The teachers were completely happy to interact, but it just spoke to how important the optics and how important it was for my kids to know about their life and about what was important to them and to know their teacher who was their special friend. And, you know, it was, um, it, it, yeah, I, I just really appreciate that I could do that because of <laughs> my job and work arrangement allowed me to do that. 
That's it's so key too, and I know exactly what you mean. To see them, they want they want them to come in. They want to show them what they played with that day. They want to, you know, especially as you do move up. And and I feel for those children right now who are in kindergarten and and they can't even really have that connection right now with with their educator, with their teachers. And it's kind of um, hopefully moving forward, we won't have to. This will be something of the past, and we'll be you know moving up and picking on from it. But it's so important, like you said, to have that see that as a child that your parent and your teacher are actually having conversation. It's also a little scary as a child too. It can definitely bring up some memories from when I was in high school, but you know, it's something they want to see. And it's something that we've had to get creative over the pandemic to create that, that community and that conversation piece with mom and dad. Now I used to be a nursery school teacher. Uh, I worked Mm. in, at kinder school um, in room one. So it was the 18 months to two and a half year olds. And uh, there was one of the wrote, there was Three, te- three and sometimes four teachers in our classroom. And one of the duties would be to work door. Like, who's working door yep. today? And door was when you stood at the door. And so the kids would get their coats on and we'd get them in circle time and do our little goodbye song and everything. And then one by one, we would hand the kids off to the to the parent, or the grandparent or the nanny, whoever was, you know, legally allowed to, to pick the kids up. And yep. um, I have to tell you that as much as I'm an extrovert and a social person and I do all these parent education classes, I hated working door, not because I don't like communication, but I was oh, I was so afraid that I was going to send the wrong kid out to the wrong parent. Like when, when it's your first day and you've got to learn all these kids' names and you've got to learn all these caregivers. And, you know, we had a lot of kids that weren't verbal it's yet. It's intimidating. And we, and we had a lot of parents who didn't speak English yet. So I just, you know, mm-hmm. I just was like... That was not my favorite job, not because I didn't like knowing the families, but literally because the burden of responsibility of, of getting getting the right kid off to the right, right parent. <laughs> you want to make sure it's that's like that was always my 100 percent fear. It's like you're you are going with the right person, right? Like it, it was like you almost had like a triple take before it actually happened. You, not, you were just like catch yourself going sideways. I don't want to embarrass myself and say like, OK, Johnny, your, your mom's here. And they're like, no, I'm not here for Johnny. You know, I, I'm here for Calvin. Like, oh. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 knowing knowing those parents and you know when they when finally we would have like our open houses and we could mm-hmm. get a longer opportunity to talk and get to know them it, it's nice to know you know yeah grandma lives at our house or uh, you know my mom yeah. just had another baby or you know all those little details so that we can see kids in their full context is uh, is really lovely i really want to know the whole family i was just just scared about scared about it <laughs> It's, it's it's super intimidating and it's a huge piece as well. It actually goes back to, because what if, um you know, yes, mom and dad, obviously very much important figures or parents, guardians, whoever it may be. But on the same side, they might be really close to, let's say, auntie or uncle or a really close friend who's just a yeah, friend of mom, friend of dad, whoever they may be, but they spend a lot of time with these people and they make that positive impact. On the same side, you want to be able to have those good conversations with them if they, maybe they pick up often. Um, yeah. I had a little guy myself who, um, uncle was very important very involved in his life. It was fantastic to see. And he played very much a father figure to this little guy. And it was, he, you know, Father's Day gift, that was what happened is he went home because he just didn't have that that father figure in his life per se at the time. But it would go home to his uncle. And it was just nice to know, had that relationship with mom, had that relationship with his uncle. But it was at the same side too. It's, 
you have to take that timid part too. And like, I know exactly what you mean. It's like you stand at the door and you're like sweating kind of profusely. You're like, don't make a mistake. You have to like fix your shirt 50 times and, but you have to make sure they go out. But on the same side, on a new day, on a, you know, new group of children, you're trying to get that going and and you have to strike up those conversations and it can be kind of scary at at the same time. So that was my little confession. Now on, now on the, uh, (laughs) on the the flip side, uh, because I do like to know the families, I do like to see that context, but you know, on the flip side, sometimes you get the parent who wants the full interrogation, you oh, know, yeah. and, and and so it's like, well, how many how many goldfish crackers did he have at snack? And, uh, you know, uh, who did he play with? You know, I mean, they just want such a level of detail where it's like you're basically being a helicopter parent drilling me down on every little activity like sometimes mm. you you don't get to know everything about your kid. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and and sometimes if they had a bad day and I want that bad day to go away, like we handled it in class. They had like a little incident with a friend. We worked it out in class. It, every all, all repairs were made. You don't really need to know about it. Like bygones, bygones. Trust us to do your job. I don't need to get like a little report of every little transgression. So then you got a parent saying, were you nice today? Are you going to treat your friends right now? Are you going to? And it's like, oh, my gosh, suddenly this this behavior that we've dealt with is not put in the back in the background. A lot of parents will then turn around and discipline their kid I'd say you don't we man we don't we dealt to. with it we don't need a double punishment for for you know what was handled so do you find sometimes that there's parents who can take it can you know milk yeah. the communication um pipeline a little too heavily there definitely can be and like obviously for like good reason they just want to know what's going on but on the same side is for if you feel like you are one of those parents uh, what I highly encourage you just to step back and we used to do the same thing within ours is like, okay, let's say they had a kerfuffle with another, with a friend in the classroom, whatever that may be, um, you know, and, but at the same time, follow up with something positive. And usually if like, I actually had one little guy who um, he used to, he used to come in, his, his entrances were no matter what, they were a little bit rough for him. It just wasn't, it wasn't something he got used to coming in. But by the end of the day, he'd had a blaster at the day. And the only thing was the parent had to take away was the fact that he had such a rough entrance every single time. And it was more of, if for him, transition was not his favorite. He didn't like to transition through to other activities and things like that. And for the most part, particular set of parents who like to have all those little details. And it started with, um, for me, I used to do obviously striking up more conversation and getting in with them, but on the same side being like, okay, these are the things I will look for. These are the things and being open and honest, but being objective and approachable as an educator, because they need to know that I am still giving all, all I can to every single child within the class. And especially when you have 16 going, for example, so my center, I used to work with the, the group up from yours, basically your age group. And, you know, you got 16 of them going and yourself and another educator and potentially an assistant happening. And it's like, you can only, you can only absorb so much that's going on for each and every child. So for me, it was always step into their come into the class if you want, come in and observe what's going on and then take it away. But if you're going to be, you know, you want to know how many goldfish, I'm not going to be able to give you that answer. And I would just be quite frank about something like that. Yeah. So and don't, always and don't peek in the that. windows. I would have to tell yeah. parents like you can't peek in the windows. The, uh, the other, ch- your kid might know it's you looking in the window, but the other kids don't know who that face is. That's scary for them. They like, might just, scare them. <laughs> I, I would just say, get on in here. Like you don't have to hide. 
You know, and I do know that especially before kids are verbal, I think parents um, are still trying to build up a relationship of trust to know that you that you're going to recognize the distressed wrinkle in their brow when when they're unhappy or whatever and and so there so it's like i i i will work with you to get to know their their body language and all those things so that you can trust that i'm going to make a good environment for your child and that this is a great place to drop them off and they're going to grow there but you know they do they do cry at drop off and then you know i when we would do our little circle goodbye time as soon as the first kid would get called to get picked up the other kids would start to cry because they're like well where's my parent when are they coming so imagine from the parent's point of view yeah. They were crying when I dropped them off. They're crying when I picked them up. What is going on in that classroom? And it's like, no, the whole rest of the day was snowball nothing effect. <laughs> nothing but fun and joy. Please trust me when I say there's, you know, he's having a great time. He's com- adjusting to the classroom. To your point, it's really, it's just some tears at transition time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's transition. And even now, like some, some adults, we don't like to transition. I can even fend for myself on that one. It's like, I don't want to, like, I just don't want to get out of bed sometimes. I'm like, this is my comfy place. Like, why am I doing this? But on the same side for the children, that it's just that much harder because they don't, they don't want to transition. Yeah. On the flip side, I also love the fact of those children who they don't want to leave and then they cry because they don't want to leave too. And they throw the biggest fit that I've ever seen. And I'm like, I swear to goodness, he was fantastic all day. Like that, this is just what happened when you were like I, I can't adjust for this one. <laughs> so let's talk about the older kids because I had a very I um in my kids' school and this you know we've got people listening yeah. to this podcast from around the world so I don't know if they'll uh, you know different um, school boards do things differently but it's very common in Ontario for schools to have um, assign a child something called an agenda. And if you have an agenda, this is like this way of doing writing communication, and it probably predates emails, so that a teacher could write notes to the parent. And, you know, these books, I, I ended up saying to the, uh, the, the the parent would have to initial that they read the notes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I just basically made an agreement with each of the teachers that if you want to communicate with my daughter, you communicate with my daughter. You know, if there's something that you need to bring to my attention or whatever, like you can call me or we can set up an appointment. But these really, for me, just felt like, um, like, you know, not my kids were pretty well behaved in school, but they just, you know, a lot of kids in my clinical practice, like they just become big books of tattling where it's like, you know, well, you know, Randall didn't have a very good day today. You know, it's like, and so these kids come home with these books where it's like, oh my God, you're just going to go over everything wrong again. And I was like, you know, of all the things that happened in that classroom, why don't we start writing down the the eight things that went well? Like, I just like, let's start those books need to be things about their, their strengths, their qualities qualities, their, their whatever. And with my daughters, I said, use it for your own record keeping for your homework and, and, and what's due and, and learn time management. But I'm not, I, I kept out of it. I kept out of it. I, I really, mm-hmm. not because I didn't want to be aligned with the teacher, but I just, I didn't like this, um, the negativity or, or this, this feeling that every shortcoming had to be documented as if, um, you know, I've heard some teachers say, well, you know, it's kind of like a liability thing. We never want the, the teacher to say, nobody told me you know, that this was going on. Right. But it's got, it's got to be balanced. It's got to be balanced between all the good stuff too. 
A hundred percent. Like, and I think that's where it comes in kind of going back to what I said about if something negative is to happen, like obviously if it's something pretty serious, like having a phone conversation or, or scheduling an in-person meeting, like you said, like, I feel like that, that is the best way to go about it. And if like, and I had the same thing for myself when I was in elementary school, moving up, obviously not past high school, but mom or dad, whoever was home had to sign the agenda. And it was always like an initial, they read it each, each week, I believe it was, or something like that. This seems like eons ago at this point. Yes, yes. <laughs> but for, yeah, I totally agree. It's like you, you want to focus. They want to obviously get out what happened, maybe whether that be good or bad that day. But on the same side, it's like if it if it is something that needs further conversation, like if they got in a fight or something, I'd make it a phone call home, make it personal. Those are those are the key things that you want to be having conversation. Written gets lost in translation, whether that's email, text or on paper, it gets lost in translation. Tone does not convert. When and you're having those conversations. It, it, it's also, uh, you know, just in a sense, like good etiquette when something's important, talking about it is is better than than writing about it. You're elevating mm. the importance of it, you know, and making it more uh, conversational. With the pandemic, I have to say that's something that has been reported to me from a lot of parents. They said, you know, our teachers were amazing. Our teachers oh, yeah. were calling and checking in and what can we do and how can we accommodate? Like they just went beyond and all all the parents now, because we're coming up to the end of the school year are saying, you know, I, I really need to find some uh, token of appreciation for, for the above and beyond that the teachers did. You know, the, the end of the year Starbucks coffee gift card is just not going to cut it this year. You know, it's, they were just exceptional. So I want teachers to hear that and know that. And, and I think that um, the, that hopefully post pandemic that we could keep that level of yes. caring going that, that, it, yes. that it's not the exception to the rule. Like let's make that the new normal, that, that real, that checking in that caring. A hundred and fifty percent. I also want to take a moment to echo every educator, every teacher out there through this entire pandemic from very beginning up until even into the fall in the year to come. You guys have just totally exceeded expectations when it came to everything that you've done to helping support every student to helping support parents because we all know this unless you are a teacher parents have already admitted this they're they're not teachers my mom for example is she's been homeschooling as she calls it my niece and my nephew and taking some charge there for for my brother and my sister-in-law and she goes man this is just she goes I, if i had a million dollars i would give it to the teacher but on the same side she's also had a lot of fun because she's had that interaction with my niece and my nephew which she, she loves dearly so if anything, I say get personal, whether it be just a personal note, teachers and educators and parents have had so much more one-on-one -on -one and in so many different ways. And I think at the end of the day, it's yes, you want to get past that traditional, here's a Tim's card, here's a Starbucks card, here's, you know, gift to the LCB, whatever it was that you were doing, get personal, whether that be a note about something specific that happened throughout the year, whether that be a moment that you remember, a memory that even the child has shared with you that just get personal about your teacher this year, wherever they may be. That means a lot to an educator and a teacher. Yeah, I, you know, I, I when they were asking for ideas and um, I said that for me, you know, I had all the the coffee mugs and you know mm -hmm. bling that I could get. But to your point, you know, you go into this occupation because you really want to touch a life. 
That's, yeah. you know, that's what that's the motivation. And so when you hear those personal stories back that says how you touched a child, shaped a child, helped a family, those I think those, those, those that personal piece is it's it's everything. Yeah. Oh, sure. You can throw in the yeah. LCB gift card, too. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Do that part anyways. But. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but, I, yeah, but I think the notes and. And also because a lot of uh, people that are in the teaching occupation, um, you know, they're also parents themselves. So they had to, yeah. they were doing double duty, helping others and trying to, to, to manage their own and uh, being given you know, no time to, to prepare for this new virtual learning, moving all their curriculum into a different platform, all, you know, just so, so much. So, um, yeah, let's keep that great, that great conversation going on. I 150% agree. I would, I think right now, especially between, uh, you know, between child cares and um, those elementary schools and those older children, there's just so much more open communication and in the variety too, as well, as regards to who, who is actually working with the child on the day-to-day basis. And I think that please don't lose this. I, I think that this is something we need to have. It should be, like you said, the new normal moving into the school year come September for us. I, I, I totally agree with you there. So again, thinking of these older kids and and kids, things that come up in my practice, I do sometimes see that the the, the teachers and the parents are are there. The communication is 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 working. There's a lot of backing and forthing, um, a lot of accommodating. You know, they they're they're struggling with their mental health. You know, they can't really get these assignments in. Can we you know make whatever? And people were super accommodating. It was all fine. But I also found that sometimes the kids, the the high school students, dropped out of the conversation. And um, yeah. how do you feel about that? I really believe that if I really feel like that's talking behind a kid's back. Like I think that ch- ch- that the student should be cc'd or in the subject line or included in in you know in any of those conversations or three-way phone calls i you know if there's something about i mean they're the stakeholders there it's it's their education um you know i really believe they need to take the lead and the teachers and the parents need to take the role of the support the support team and i think sometimes we can steal mm-hmm. ownership of of uh, of kids learning when when we get to communicating uh, without them being in the mix I, I agree. And and I feel like, yes, you're so right that sadly with some of those, the, the high school students, um, they, I feel like they've so very, like you said, very much dropped off the board and, and they've gone kind of gotten lost in the mix of things. And that's not from, you know, the lack of trying. I think it's more that you're 150% right that it's their involvement in their education. You know, those 11s and 12s right now who are preparing for university, college, you know, for their education. This is the time we're having that open line of communication is probably even more important for nines and tens. It's a huge dramatic change when you go into grade nine coming from, you know, middle school or, you know, a, a smaller school of any kind, you tend to go into grade nine and it's like a slap in the face usually. And grade nine is always a hard year Whereas you, you know, you kind of just, at least I coaxed in, in grade 10, like, let's be real. Grade 10 was a bit of a, a butterfly year for me, but on the same side, it's, yeah, it's their part and they need to get involved in their education. And if you have mom and dad or whoever talking with teacher and, you know, they're not involved in the conversation, then it's like, well, well, where's my perspective? So if you're not concluding them, then what are you doing? You're just, it's an open line of communication between teacher and parent, but they're not the ones going off to university next year. 
So why are you making those decisions for them? Yeah. You know, my mom was a, a teacher and uh, I remember as a kid, she would uh, phone the students at the end of the year when she's doing report cards mm. and she, you know, she'd say, hey, I'm just working on your report card. You know, how did you how did you think this term went for you? And my mom said, kids know they know their marks before they get their marks. They know where they <laughs> put in effort and not put in. There's never any surprises. Yep. And, you know, and they would say, oh, yeah, well, I was I really, you know, did great in geography this term. But yeah, no, not so good in math. And, you know, oh, so, you know, why was that? And what do you want to do differently next term? And she'd sort of have this little exploratory conversation. And then uh, and then she'd say, can, you know, can you put one of your parents on the, the phone? I, I just want to tell them what a joy it is to have you in my classroom. And I thought, that's the way you should do report cards, man. That, you know. <laughs> God bless your mom. She was great. She, she was awesome. She was awesome. I'm sorry my mom has passed. Uh, she 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 died. Uh, or she died early. But I'll tell you, a lot of her former students showed up for her memorial good. services. Yeah, she did touch a lot of lives. She was pretty incredible. Um, and I think it's because she was a good communicator. You know, I, yeah. I think, yeah, she, she, she wasn't chicken at the door like her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anything dear. I can guarantee you to as well. Uh, I th- feel like your mom and my mom would get on quite well. My mom was very involved in what we were doing, but she also she gave us the chance to step up and take our own charge. And I feel like right now, as especially for a high school student, I know it's not easy because the, in high school, you you don't have any brains. Like, let's be real. For the most part, you make really crazy, wild decisions, but you're still on track. And if you let your child, if you trust your child and you give them some of that trust, of course, like do it within an appropriate manner. You don't want anyone getting hurt. And that's a boundary, but on the same side, like let them take control of their education and let them, let them fail. If they're going to fail, now's the time to do it. It's the same thing when they're three. Let them fail because they won't know how to pick themselves up if you don't let them try. A big piece. It is a it is a it is a big piece, and it's so hard for parents. So the hard. idea that we that this is how we build resiliency, that this is actually giving them a a practice run when the stakes are actually lower. You don't want to put delay this <gasps> learning till to when you've paid thousands of dollars in tuition, and and uh, you know now you got kids dropping out of university, which could be much more life changing than you know failing a, a test or a paper, you know, in grade six or middle school or even yeah. high school. So parents have to really have faith in that. But I, I say, you know, we've we've also kind of been speaking a lot about maybe the more um, ambitious or over-involved, over-engaged parents. I've kind of leaned on that side of it. Mm-hmm. But we have yeah. to remember that if you're an educator, you do also have those families that really don't engage at all. They're really, there's yeah. like a, they're, they're just, um, they don't know what's going on with their kids' schooling. I know I would get very frustrated where it was just the simple stuff where it's like, I need this paperwork I, I can't ask you every single day, where's the paperwork? Where's the paperwork? Like, eventually, I'm going to have to not admit your child because I need this paperwork. I think, oh my, I want to be engaged with the students doing my bliss and my skill, which is teaching. I don't want to be the admin police, you know, chasing yes. down forms or, you know, the parent is like, oh, I didn't know it was picture day. We're like, well, did you get the newsletter? Did you read the newsletter? Well, we sent it. We actually sent three reminders and put it in the newsletter. So it's picture day. You know, um, we need that. Money it's on the poster the- on the front door. Yeah. yeah. And so the- there, there is this communication where, where you've got people that are just, you know, you're kind of like, work with me, work with me. I don't know how else to, how many other ways to, to make sure that you're getting this information. And that can be just infuriating and a waste of time, too. Totally, 150%. And, I, and I've run into both extremes. And I'm sure you have as well in your time, especially in the classroom. And if anything, it's, and 
it's so it's frustrating as an educator when you're sitting there and and like you said, it's, it's picture day, they've come in their pajamas and, you know, maybe they didn't have a bath. It wasn't bath night the night before or something like that. And they just look absolutely wild. Um, I just go ahead with it. Like I'll I'll go with the flow on the same time. It is super, super frustrating, but on the same side of things, it's, this word kind of stems back to the creation of that relationship with those, those families. And it's, did you maybe, for me, I always just reflect and go, did I not do something? Did I miss something that was going on with this family? Did I maybe not give it enough in some area to strike more conversation? And then um, I had one particular child who I, I definitely felt parents were very detached from what was going on with him. Um, they they just did not seem involved. It's something like everything I said just kind of went whoop. And it was like on to the next thing. It's like, oh, I got a new phone. And it's like, okay, but I'm talking to you about he got bit today. Like it's it's where are you? You come to find out. And it, it took me a while to actually build more relationship with this particular parent. And I come to find out that there's just so much going on at home, not in a great way. So it was a bit of a sad story, but not in a great way. And because of it, mom was doing everything to be detached. She didn't want to know because she was just scared. And so it comes back to like, just diving in. I know it's a lot of work. It, it's like you you always feel like you're giving 150% and then the parents not even meeting you at 25. And it's so, so frustrating, but just to keep on trying. But on the same side, you also have to do, like you said, you haven't signed the permission form. Let's say they're going on a trip. And if you don't sign this now, they're not going or you can't come back tomorrow or, you know, he's not on the list. So therefore you can't bring him for the next three days, whatever it may be. Sometimes a serious consequence needs to put a light on to get those parents to like actually start realizing that they no. need to pay attention. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, 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 the case of the overwhelm uh, and the mm. detachment there, because again, to this idea of what's the role and function of teachers and our schools in, in terms of it takes a village to support it a does. child. You know, we we are those eyes. We have to be looking for neglect. We have a responsibility to call children's aid if we think there's mm-hmm. harm to the child. You may have a, a parent with a mental health issue, an addiction issue. Those are often comorbid. Somebody who's overwhelmed. Um, you know, if, if there's poverty and people are working multiple jobs and that's they're just absolutely um, spent and just don't have those emotional resources. There's there's so much to to know and to be compassionately curious, as you say, through 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 that through that communication yeah. and, and hopefully find out, do they need more resources? What, you know, what can we do as a school community to help you? Um, yeah, what are they missing? What are, what do they need? Like, what is it, or is it, you know, something as simple as, you know, maybe they're just not as informed and you need to be that knowledgeable person for them or somewhere they can seek knowledge. If, if you don't have it yourself, it's, you need to just be that, that figure that they may be looking for. Yeah. I remember a case where we had a boy that we had the opportunity of coming Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursdays, or five days. Mm-hmm. And in this particular family, m- money was of a concern and the, the father had passed away and the mother was grieving so, so, oh, so no. hard. And uh, so we actually said, you know, why doesn't he come five days a week, no extra charge to you, um, you know, to give you time to, to, to recover and shed those tears and, and whatever until you feel that you could be more present for him at home, you know? So that was like, that was our way of yep. addressing what that family ch- challenge was in the, in the time that it was going on, you know? 
it's, it's definitely something, especially with a case like that, it's, you know, a parent in this case, mom, she needs to grieve herself before she can support her child. And, and then after that too, the child's also grieving or they don't know, or they're just young and they, they don't know how to process it. Right. It's, it's, it's something as simple as death is for, you know, a two, three, four year old is like still a wild and crazy thing that they don't know really how to process by the time they're a little older. Of course, those things come through in different varieties. So sometimes when they are that young, of course, it comes through with behavior issues. And it's like, and then with mom not being able to be there all, it makes it difficult. Yeah, and, and for teachers that are going again, going including our uh, high school students in this too. Yeah. Um, you know, there are teachers who are often the uh, sort of the first line, first first responders or yeah. the coffee daunt of teens. You know, if you're, if you're an adolescent and you're going through something and you can't talk to your parents or the issue you're having is with your parents, you might have a favorite teacher, um, you know, or someone in the guidance counselor's office. Yeah. And, and so suddenly you might be a teacher who gets information about a problem, a struggle or something that a young person has. And that's a really important role too, to that, you know, we, we don't want teens only to go to their peers for advice because you're only going to get peer quality, <laughs> you know, 14 year olds advice. telling other 14 year olds what to do about their eating disorder is not necessarily the best course of action. Um, and so, so there's the communication too, between teacher Probably and child, not. not just about, not just about academics, but you know, the, how are you, the, how are you doing? And I think that again, when we talked about the pandemic and really people putting mental health on the, um, into the, into the top of mind mm -hmm. question, and uh, and I hope that goes on. How else do you think the pandemic sh shook things up? And, and wh where do you think going forward where that change is going to impact Ooh. us? Definitely. Like, I want to see that communication. Obviously, we've mentioned this one, but definitely want to see that communication going just across the board, whether you're, you know, infant through to grade 12, uh, that that one my, for myself is like the biggest one that stands out. But what I feel like moving forward is um, if parents, I feel, and I'm hoping it stays this way, that they're going to be more involved in actually what's going on with their children's education. They're going to be more involved in policies and changes that come out for, you know, put forward by the government that, you know, for example, the grade nine uh, virtual math class, or I'm, I'm not as versed with it as I'd like to be at this moment, but, you know, the, the fact that there's looking towards doing this for myself if my mom if I was in grade nine she'd be like oh heck no my new math was not my strong suit but it, it it comes down to I feel like parents are just so much more involved in a in a healthier way versus before it was like oh I can just pick and choose where I should be as heavily involved whereas now it's like they've been thrown under and they they really need to like actually pay attention as to what is happening a little bit more so in their child's life when they're participating in their education pieces well, and because so much kind of changed, got broken, however you want to describe it because of the pandemic, parents mm -hmm. asking questions like, well, what if I want my child to repeat the year because they really didn't learn anything this year and they and they just checked out? Or how are you going to assess my child to know um, where they are when they start the curriculum in the fall and these kinds of things? Um parents want to have a voice in their kids education they they yeah. have their you know it's their children you know they, they they want to have they want to be heard and i think we you know we need to share i think we're going to need to share our stories we we, we just really need to listen yes. to one another about what a struggle this was how hard it was how those people that ended up just having to like 
check out and turn off the camera and that just ended up not going to school, not completing it, that, that they need to be given permission to say that not every kid could handle the task that was given. You know, if your kid's in kindergarten and they're expected to sit in front of a screen for syn- synchronized learning for six hours at that age, like, you know, there was just, <laughs> it's not for, oh, not, hell no. not, not for, not for everybody. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's going to be quite the year, quite the stories, quite the recovery. And if we don't keep talking between all the stakeholders, the students, the parents, the educators, yes. the school boards, there has to be major town hall dialogues for people to feel like, you know, we, we can get the the wheels back on this important machine, which when it breaks, it breaks the economy, right? When we, we don't have childcare, when we don't have other adults to look after our kids and we can't work, 4.2 million mothers left the workforce in the United yeah. States. Astronomical. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a, a big recovery. I, I want recovery coming. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, <laughs> anything else you want to share with our with our listeners here or, or, and um, uh, around the, uh, the content that we're talking about? And then I want to give you an opportunity to to pitch where, what you're up to and where people can find you and things like that. Oh, yeah. If anything, too. I think the other part, too, that it, the change that is coming is, of course, that we know it, and we've proven this both in the workforce and in the education piece that digital is probably not going away. So don't get me wrong. It's it's something that's probably going to stick around and it's not going to suit every child's needs. But on the same side, if you have the option to do one or the other, or maybe even balancing them, obviously find out where your child is at. Don't just like make a, you know, stick your finger in the air and, and make a judgment call. But like, for example, if your child is really doing well digitally, they're actually like, they're focusing, maybe their grades have gone up. Maybe they're, um, you know, overall, they're doing super well in those, in those, especially like elementary, high school children, those sorts of things. Like maybe have that further conversation with them. Is this something they want to continue doing? Like, is this something you, you actually have the capacity to continue doing. And then on the other side too, like I can say on, you know, my niece and nephew side, like they're just social butterflies and, um, and they miss all of that. And I know every child that misses being with their friends, um, especially right now. And so just keep your eye on that. Keep your, you know, if there's an option to have one thing balancing the other, but still getting that social aspect moving forward, come next September, just be open-minded about it on the same side consult, consult your educator, consult your teacher, talk with your child, you know, listen to what the school board is saying and and make your judgment call. Gather all your information before you actually do say, okay, this is where I'm putting my foot down. And of course, you know, consulting with your family members, even if you want to take in their information. September is going to be interesting. That is for sure. Well, to your point, that's why I'm never prescriptive when people say like, well, what do you think about summer school? Should the kids go to summer school um, because they fell behind uh, or, or or do they need a break? And I'm like, that's on a case by case basis. There are yep. some kids that are very anxious about how far they fell behind and they would love to take a summer class. And there's other kids that are like, no, you know what? I'm done. I'm spent. I want to just put this year behind me and start fresh in September. Um, so it's it's really an individual call on how people want to handle Agreed. that. And, and, and to your point, I had I had. Uh, people in my practice that said I this was actually really great for me because um, I was still able to do my socializing you know in my bubble with my important friends and school it meant that I could get up when I wanted to get up I got this small little package that I could do at my own thing and it and it took me two hours and my marks went up and I didn't have to sit around while whittling my thumbs while the teacher was answering other answering other people's questions and they were completely fine with it so 
you know, it, it's, it really is a case-by-case basis, and parents know their kids best. It's great to, to um, speak with the teacher and get their perspective on things, but at the end, you know, you have to advocate for, for, for your child once you've accumulated all that information. Um, at the end of the day, it, it lands with the parent. I 100% agree. It's it's where it, it's where your children are at and and where they've landed come the end of this year and and some some cases too maybe in school will be uh, sorry um, summer school might be in person for, for all we know or you may be a combination so it may be something that they they actually just want to see some people so <laughs> it, it will be interesting to see what comes about and but it's totally it's case by case and see where your child's at the same thing back with do I need to hold them back a year maybe or. Or they are they going to be okay? Like it's it's something that you have to evaluate and having that that conversation with your with your families. And all I can say is, come next September when they finally are back in class, hopefully fingers crossed they they should be. But on the same side, like value that parent teacher conference when you finally do get to sit down at a table and value that heavily when you finally get there because that will that's going to be a pretty big moment for for everybody across the board. So yeah, and and the fact that they have those evenings where you get a fifteen minute time slot to go in, say hi, cram it through Make next them person. They, they, yeah, they. I never had a teacher who who wouldn't take an appointment if I, I like. You don't hijack them at the door, but if you say, "Hey, you know, can I set set up a time to to speak?" The, I've never had a teacher that wouldn't give me an hour of or more of their time if I yeah. asked for it and made an appointment. Um, so so don't feel constrained to that one night. Like that's <laughs> your only point of contact. <laughs> I mean, it guarantees there's contact, but, but um, you know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and saying, let's find more time. This is an important conversation. A hundred percent. Don't be afraid to do it. It's, they're there to help. And if, if you're not going to have those conversations and it's so hard to squeeze in 15 minutes, you, you can't talk about everything in 15 minutes. So no. even if it's, you, you want to schedule more time leading up to something or you feel like something's like, maybe even do it once a month and have like a 30 minute conversation, obviously arrange it with an educator or teacher, whoever it may be. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. Hear that, parents? The teachers want to talk to you. Ha ha ha. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. So um, Uh let me give you a a moment here to let people know where to find you. And um, I'm going to put up some links in the show notes or whatever. But anything you want to inform parents, anything up and coming, anything you want to promote or share? Yeah, so definitely. So if you have not, I highly recommend, first of all, if you are an educator in a childcare program, please do check out HiMama.com. We are a childcare app, range of huge resources that are also on our website from, we also do a podcast as well. So you can check out, if you'd like to check out our podcast, we have blog posts, articles, aimed at a variety of, you know, people who come on. So obviously parents, educators, directors, owners, whoever you may be, we try to do a service of all. What's Um, the podcast name? Our podcast game is called our preschool podcast and it's actually done with our CEO, Ron. Okay. He's yeah. He's been doing them weekly. We've just, our most recent one was actually done with uh, Stephanie B- Bennett from the UK. So a uh, very interesting approach um, that actually incorporates uh, loose parts, fantastic group of ladies over there. And I actually had them on the webinar yesterday. Um, that's the other piece I'd love to promote. If you would love to check out, we have free webinars there every Thursday. They're from two to 3 PM Eastern standard time. Um, and the they're totally free, like I said, but you can come and listen on, participate in the chat. We also get folks from all across the world um, joining us and from anywhere from, you know, we've talked about vaccines, we've talked about policies, we've talked about uh, like uh, plays, types of play, we, you name it. We've had a variety of different things on. We also have all of those recordings on our uh, website as well. And you can check out our blog posts that we have all the show notes there. 
Wonderful. Yeah, you guys were early adopters. I was a guest on the on the show, and that was like a couple of years ago. So I mean, <laughs> I, I only just kicked. I mean, you got. I don't know what episode you guys are on now, but you've you've oh, been man. at that for a while. Quite. I think we're like up in the two fifty area, somewhere yeah. around Amazing. there. Amazing. Could be. I could be wrong, but we're around there, and we're somewhere around. Uh, I think we just came through on like our we're just rounding sixty webinars. We only started them last March. So um, amazing! It's been a fantastic ride. But would love, love to see you checking us out. If you haven't, please do. Don't forget to check out HiMama.com. We'd love to have further conversation about parent communication. We've talked about this all this whole time, and that is one of our key focuses on keeping that going within your your classes and in your education spaces. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for communicating with me today. <laughs> <laughs> From the cottage. <laughs> From the cottage. Yes, exactly. And I think I think we managed to keep the Wi-Fi going the whole time. So yeah. I'm going to I'm going to call this podcast a success. Thank you so much. I think so. Allison, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure being here with you today and enjoy your weekend and folks as well. Enjoy the recording. It's, it's been such a fabulous time chatting with you. All the best. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.